IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. This episode of IBA Talk is presented in partnership with Orchid Insurance. Like much of the industry, the high net worth space is undergoing a lot of change. From emerging technologies to new risk areas, the market is shifting, creating new opportunities and new challenges. To discuss this and more, we're joined by Tim DeRosa, Executive Vice President of Orchid Insurance. Hello and welcome to IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Deputy Editor at Insurance Business. And in this episode, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into the high net worth insurance sector with the help of an insurance industry expert. Um, the high net worth space, like much of the insurance industry, is undergoing many changes from new entrants and new technology to increasing use of the excess and surplus science paper and continuous refinements to underwriting guidelines. Each one of these individual components is of great importance to this very dynamic market and will only be more so over time as high net worth carriers look to continue to deliver profitable growth. In this episode, we're looking to dive into that in a bit more detail. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Tim DeRosa, Executive Vice President and Head of High Net Worth Insurance at Orchid Insurance. Tim, welcome to IBA Talk. Thank you for having me. Look forward to it. All right. Well, Tim, let's start with a market outlook. Obviously, 2020 has been a rather interesting year for many reasons. What trends have you seen impact the high net worth insurance space over the last 12 months or so? Obviously, it's been an eventful uh, last 12 months for a whole host of reasons. Um, I would say that the biggest trend that we've seen has really been a constriction in the underwriting capacity that the carrier's Um, primarily on the admitted side, have been willing to um, dole out. Um, This has been due mainly to large-scale catastrophe events, whether it's the wildfires that have plagued the West Coast for the past few years, the hurricanes in the Southeast, flooding in the Gulf and the Southeast part of the United States as well. Um, It seems to have accelerated some of the changes that high net worth carriers were already starting to make uh, to their portfolios. Um, And I think the biggest changes that we've seen as a result of these large scale events has been, number one, a tightening of underwriting restrictions, whether that's a pullback from places like California or Florida, Texas, um, just because of unprofitable business over the past few years, um, or a flight to the ENS space. Um, You've seen companies such as AIG Private Client Group or Vault or Pure expand their product offerings uh, on the ENS side, which has proved vital um, as they look to uh, you know, improve their profitability um, and scale up to the future. Um, but it certainly has been an eventful, uh, eventful last 12 months for sure, no matter how you look at it. Mm, absolutely. I mean, you, you raised a number of, of key themes there, um, one of which is that sort of underwriters are perhaps changing their risk appetites a little bit, uh, tweaking their underwriting guidelines for high net worth accounts. Um, you know, can you go into that in a bit more detail? What sort of changes are you seeing? What are underwriters looking for uh, in a high net worth risk? Sure. It's a great question. Um, the high, mark, the uh, high net worth space is definitely hardened over the past 12 to 18 months for sure. Um, I would say, you know, you hit the nail on the head with what they're doing. So changes in underwriting guidelines. Um, I think carriers are doing a couple things on that front. First is they are really examining what areas they have the ability to be profitable over the long term. Um, they are making sure that they are getting adequate rate and they are making sure that they are getting in their view of risk 
the most uh, appealing uh, risks within that category, um, whether that's in the coastal market, whether that's in um, the wildfire zones. Um, but what they're doing is they are they are further honing their ability to view risk, um, and by doing so, it's it's constricting what they what they what they're writing now compared to what they've written in the past. Um, so that's one thing. Um, two, I think that carriers are also looking to get away from a sort of standalone or monoline strategy where they would be willing to write an insurance house. Um, over the years, this has sort of ebbed and flowed. There have been carriers that required multiple lines of business and others that hadn't. Um, but I think we've seen a migration towards carriers really wanting to write fully rounded out accounts. So in addition to the standard homeowner's policy, they're looking to write personal umbrella or personal excess policies, large collections, automobiles, um, you know, other, other toys that the high net worth uh, folks might have. Um, so fully rounded accounts are definitely um, more of a, um, a play these days for carriers. Um, I would say uh, a flight to the ENS market. I mentioned it earlier. Um, the, the carriers are really looking to change their appetite um, and entering the ENS space in a greater way or a greater manner than they have in the past gives them the flexibility of rate and form, um, which is something the admitted market does not offer. Um, and I, I only see the, the uh, flight to the ENS becoming more pronounced over time, not less. I think it gives carriers the ability to change underwriting appetite, change rate, change form on a very quick basis and pivot to where they see the best chance for long-term profitability. Um, and then I would say the last component is just if you think about areas where there have been these large-scale cat events from California wildfires to the Tri-County, Florida area, Miami-Dade, Broward County, um, I think that carriers are going to take a hard look uh, at those areas. And without um, having accounts that are tied to sort of non-catastrophe exposed premium, they probably are going to further constrict the bucket of what they'll write in those uh, in those really high hazard areas. So I think there's a lot of things going on, but it's definitely a hardening market. Um, and I don't think we've certainly seen uh, the worst of it. I think there's certainly more to come. Mm, interesting. That, that flight to the excess and surplus lines market, is that sort of across entire high net worth portfolios or are you seeing it sort of more prolifically with specific lines of business? I think um, I've seen it more occur in the high net worth homeowner space than other lines of business. Um, and, you know, again, get back, it gets back to the basic tenets of ENS, which is the flexibility of rate and form. You know, I think a great example of this, you use California. Um uh, you know, the wildfires have decimated a lot of carriers' profitability, and they a lot of carriers would love to get innovative, would love to find ways to price and view risk differently. Um, and sometimes state insurance departments are, are, are tough. It's a long haul to get things through. So things that we might take for granted in other areas of the country, like a hurricane deductible, if you apply that to the West Coast, and you apply that to wildfire zones, that could be a wildfire deductible. So there are innovative ways for us as an industry to improve the, the availability of product um, as well as the pricing. Um, and I think that the, the innovation and speed to market that is accessible in the ENS space allows those carriers in particular to pivot on a dime and 
offer coverage at a reasonable price for the exposure and to do it in more creative ways. If that, if you take the wildfire deductible as an example, those are things that, although a lot of carriers have talked about it for a long time, they've never been able to make it through um, the state approval. Um, I, I you know, hear rumblings that that's happening, and I certainly hope it is, but I think that the pivot on the ENS side makes it you know, a real-time issue to be dealt with, not one for the future. Um, and I, I think we're going to see more of that. Um, and so, you know, to answer your initial question about is this, is it line of business specific? And I would say, you know, I think there's there's a flight uh, to ENS in a lot of different categories in the high net worth space, but I think it's more pronounced in the homeowner space than any other at this point in time, at least. Mm. If you don't mind, I'd like to sort of uh, pivot the conversation slightly away from the carriers now to to talking about the distributors. So, you know, w- with all of this in mind, some of these changing market conditions that flight to the ENS space, insurance agents and brokers will, will certainly be impacted. Um, they play an important advisory role with with high net worth clients. Um, so, so what advice do you perhaps have for insurance brokers and agents in tackling this changing environment and sort of navigating the market? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of good options here. I think that the the two that I would that I would uh, point to as sort of one and two would be first having a stable of carriers at your agency that's going to allow your clients the best opportunities to have choice. Um, you know, long gone are the days twenty five years ago where Chubb was the only game in town. Um, since that time, we've we've had AIG become a very large player. Pure. We have new entrants such as Vault, Berkeley One, Cincinnati, Nationwide Private Client, all of whom have a a varying degree of risk appetite um, and have a sweet spot that may be different from their competitors. And so I think if we are doing our clients a service, um, we're going to be able to give them options. Um, It not only helps for new business, but it's also something that, that helps as a retention tool as carriers change their underwriting appetites over time, it allows you to have more options within an agency. Obviously, you have to be able to feed the mouths. Um, but if you can do so, I think, you know, number one is is really making sure that you have all the viable options within the space so your customers are well taken care of. Um, second, I would say, and this, you know, probably is one of the hottest topics within the insurance industry is investing in technology. Um, Many times agencies are reluctant to invest in technologies because it's expensive. Um, But our ability to um, stay alive within the high net worth space is really dependent on how effectively and efficiently we can scale and grow our businesses. And investing in technology, whether that's chatbots for your website, uh, data entry tools that will allow you to screen scrape Accord applications and enter them into management systems. There's a lot of really cool technology out there from the agent's perspective that will allow them to better scale and efficiently process the work that they have. Um, And if you're not doing it, you're probably going to get left behind um, simply because the cost of of labor is such that it's it's hard to scale up an entire operation without the investment in technology and and being 100% reliant on finding really good, solid um, insurance talent. Um, so I would, say, I would say those two things, you know, making sure that you have the, the available markets and making sure that you're investing for the future in technology would be one and two for me. 
I'm glad you mentioned technology. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a, certainly a hot topic um, in the industry at the moment. Um, perhaps if we if we could even build on that, uh, maybe looking back at some of the carriers um, and perhaps even client risk. You know, where in the past few years has technology impacted the high net worth space, and where do you see it going uh, in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it in two two separate with two separate lenses. One being the technology from the carrier's perspective, and the other being from the agent's perspective. Uh, from a carrier perspective, technology plays an incredibly critical role in a carrier's ability to grow their business profitably, um, to interact with their customers in a in a manner in which their customers are asking for it. Um, and to better align their portfolios for long-term success. Um, the carriers are investing a lot in the use of third-party data, whether that's uh, vendors such as RMS and AIR on the cap modeling side, Hazard Hub for very detailed granular looks at physical pieces of property, um, CoreLogic to, to measure distance to coast, or even LexisNexis to do credit scoring. Um, I think that list can go on and on, but these are vendors that are becoming sort of mission critical for carriers' ability um, to uh, underwrite uh, and price risk appetite. Um, and I think their own, the carriers are only going to spend more money, devote more resources, um, and develop those integrations um, as they look to continue to grow and grow profitably. Um, I would say the other, from a carrier perspective, the other thing that, that, is, that is an area of focus is interaction with their, their agencies, um, sophisticated user experience, right? Technology in, in some manners has stayed a little bit behind the ball um, in the insurance business over years. Um, there's certainly a lot of money being spent to develop really cool technology within the space and high net worth is no, is no um, stranger to that. Um, but for far too long, carriers focused on on carriers and not necessarily always always on the user the user experience and i think that that shift has begun um, carriers are making their their platforms much more robust uh, much easier um, easier to integrate with agency management systems there's there's a lot of things that are being that are being um, done today um, that are making it easier for carriers to interact with their agencies and thus write and drive more business. So that's, that's I think, at a carrier perspective, what's going on. Um, I think at an agent, agent or agency level, um, the investment in and use of technology is going to allow agents to grow um, while also probably uh, having a lot of agents who aren't investing in the technology um, I don't want to say die in the vine, but grow at a much uh, slower clip than the partners who are investing in it. Um, you know, if you look at things like a robust agency management system, chatbot, web-based forms, e-signatures, the things that really are time-consuming to agents are really being heavily invested in within the insurance industry. Um, and you know, there, there's a lot of money being spent by agencies to automate. Um, and the automation is really the way of the future. Um, again, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, you know, there, there, there is a, I don't want to say limited talent pool, but there is a talent pool um, that is hard to find sometimes. And as we invest more in um, scalable technology, um, it takes a little bit of the pressure off to find the diamond in the rough with really good solid, um, talent uh, people management as well. Um, so I think a lot of these activities where, where we're investing in technology to improve workflows, 
um, improve integration with our carrier partners and just become more efficient are really going to drive the ROI. Um, and we're going to offload the activities that aren't driving the ROI um, back to the agencies. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those those key themes, um, you've, you've mentioned the user experience, automation, improving workflows, driving efficiencies. All of that has become, you know, in, in recent months, all of that has become front page news, um, partly because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. It would be remiss of me not to sort of bring this conversation around to that, uh, to bring it to a close, obviously, with it being uh, still ongoing. Um, you know, in terms of the high net worth sector now, uh, as well as all of the, the technology and the digitalization um, you've just mentioned, how has the sector been impacted by the pandemic? Have there been any issues that are perhaps unique to hiring individuals, families, and, and sort of people that that uh, meet this risk? Yeah, I, I would say I, I go back to a, a, a very good um, uh, quote that I heard a number of years ago. F. Scott Fitzgerald once said, the rich are different than you and me. And he's right. Um, during pandemics or recessions, the rich sometimes have a little farther to fall than the average person. Um, and so insurance being somewhat recession resistant, um, you know, I don't think we've seen this massive drop um, in, in new business or, uh, or the like. However, it does, it does complicate things a little bit more for sure. Um, I would say, you know, as an industry, we've seen more people looking to remarket their business. Um, looking for a cheaper price, um, right? And it get, that gets back to a comment I made a little earlier about having the right markets, making sure that you have the number and the adequate number of markets within your office. Um, and so in, in times of recession, um, or in this case, a pandemic, when people are looking to save or shave some premium, um, they are going to ask to be remarketed. And I think having, you know, having that stable of, of good, solid carriers within your office is going to help you. Um, so, you know, I would say people are looking to save money, um, but they're not looking to cancel policies. So that definitely has been a little bit of a shift. Um, on the flip side, I would say that we've also started to see a big uptick in home purchases in the high net worth sector um, for two reasons. There's been a flight from urban areas. So people are leaving their co-ops and condos in New York City and in L.A. in favor of larger residences in more suburban areas. Um, and I think that that is a trend that will probably continue, at least in the short term. Um, there's also been, because of the uh, uh, a lot of homes going on the market, There's what we've seen is a lot of homes being added to the portfolios of some of our high net worth clients who are taking advantage of the market right now. Um, seeing a lot of large landlords that have had trouble collecting rent, offloading some of their properties. Um, and this is and this has been nice for the high net worth sector in that some of these larger investors or or folks that have a, a, a plethora of uh, rental properties have been ad- been able to add to their their inventories over over this span. Um, so I think we've seen it a little bit on both ends, where we've seen a lot of additions that we might not have seen um, this flight from urban to more suburban areas, uh, and uh, and as well, um, you know, looking to save money where they can in certain areas. Um, it certainly has been an interesting time for sure the last six months. 
Mm. And, and I guess the the one thing just before we finish um, with with this pandemic is that unfortunately the situation is is fluid. It's very uncertain. We don't know how long it's going to last. Um, with some of those themes that that you've just mentioned, with all of that in mind, what's the focus going to be for for high net worth carriers through to twenty twenty one? You know, what can the strategy or the immediate focus be? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a push for profitability. Um, I think a lot of the high net worth carriers have had a rough time with profitability over the last few years um, with the large uh, catastrophe losses. Um, and so th- they are going to be pushing profitability. They're going to be examining their own portfolios to figure out how they can further revi- refine their view of risk um, and how do they price it accordingly. Um, and if a byproduct of that becomes a push or a shift into the ENS space, uh, I think that's going to be a big theme in the coming months and years. Um, but I think both are critically important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, Tim, thank you. Um, that's about all we have time for today. It was a fascinating discussion and plenty of takeaways for our listeners. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Ciao. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Deputy Editor at Insurance Business, and this was IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more on high net worth solutions and other specialty coverage areas, visit orchidinsurance.com. That's orchidinsurance.com for more. Follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episodes.